The Word of God for our consideration this morning comes to us from the book of the prophet Micah, chapter 5, beginning at verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, from you will go out from the one who will be the ruler for me in Israel. His goings forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Therefore the Lord will give them up until the time when the woman who is in labor bears a child. Then the remaining survivors from his brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd with the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will dwell securely, for at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. We pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, the greatest Christmas gift ever given. These days leading up to Christmas are always a little weird, aren't they? There's so many contradictory thoughts and feelings and emotions and actions that we take at this time of year, different than than any other time of year. For example, in the Northern Hemisphere, we all know that it's the darkest time of year. Today, we're only going to have about nine hours of light, 15 hours of darkness. So what do we do? Well, we try to chase the darkness away by hanging lights on our homes and inside of our homes. This time of year is portrayed ideally, you know, in the movies as being a time where where families get together and they relax and it's a time of happiness and joy. And yet, I don't know about you, but, but for me, this is one of the most frantic and busy times. And maybe you feel the same way. Sometimes, while it's great to gather with family, sometimes you just ache to be alone for a little bit. We've been thinking about and preparing for Christmas for, for months now. And sometimes people just want to see it go away. Maybe the paradox that we will notice today the most is the fact that who have we called to proclaim the most important news, the greatest event in human history? We've called these children to tell us about it. As paradoxical as our experience of Christmas may be, it pales in comparison to that very first Christmas. And Micah, the prophet Micah, who lived about 700 years before the first Christmas, he's going to walk us through three of these paradoxes. The first has to do with the place where Christmas happened. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, from you will go out the one who will be the ruler for me in Israel. That sentence means exactly what it sounds like it means. Bethlehem was a small town, a village. Clan is a technical military term. It it means a thousand. And so we, we believe that Bethlehem had fewer than 1,000 families as its population. It's one-eighth the size of McFarland, and I don't feel like McFarland is anything huge either. A small town. No one would have expected anything great to come out of a small town like Bethlehem. They didn't, actually, right? Remember the, the wise men? They didn't go to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem, the capital city. That's where all the important stuff happens. funny thing is, even Mary and Joseph, They didn't go to Bethlehem willingly, voluntarily, right? The only reason they went to Bethlehem is because Caesar Augustus issued a decree that they had to go there so they could be counted and taxed. It was really an IRS decision that brought them to Bethlehem. A paradox, right? Out of Bethlehem will come a ruler. And this isn't new either, is it? 
If you know your Old Testament, you know that God chose Bethlehem to raise up another ruler for Israel. His name was David. God sent Samuel not to Jerusalem, not to the capital city, but to little old Bethlehem, to to the family of Jesse. And, And he didn't pick any of Jesse's older seven sons, but the one who was out in the fields with the sheep, a lowly boy named David, a little shepherd. And yet, by God's grace and by God's power, David became the greatest king in Israel's history. To be eclipsed only by this one. Only by the one who will be born in Bethlehem Ephrathah. That's the first paradox. That, that a big thing, uh, a ruler for Israel, will come out of such a small, insignificant, tiny place as Bethlehem. The second paradox has to do with the identity, the hidden identity of this baby who will be born there. His goings forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity, Micah says. Well, you and I have beginnings, right? Our conception was our beginning. And certainly this baby was conceived as well by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, but Micah states very clearly that's not when he began. His origins reach back beyond 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, back beyond 3,000 years ago from the time of David, all the way back to creation. He is eternal. What Micah is saying here undoubtedly is that this baby is God. This baby is the Son of God in human flesh. Why does that matter? Why is that important that we understand that this is the Son of God in human flesh? Well, because the Bible tells us things like this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Psalm 49 tells us, No one can by any means redeem himself. He cannot give God a ransom for himself. Yes, the ransom for their souls is costly. Any payment would fall short. You maybe can work out a deal with that fat guy in the red suit. Maybe you can bribe him to take you off the naughty list with some cookies and milk. God cannot be bribed. There is nothing that we can do to make God overlook our sins. We cannot pay for them ourselves. God can't just overlook the fact that we have very often put things above Him, put other things and other people in first place above Him, that we have time after time misused His name, that we have despised His Word, that we have disrespected His authorities, that we have harbored hatred and lust and greed in our hearts, that we have slandered and gossiped about other people behind their backs, that we have not been content with what God has given us. And there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do to get rid of those sins. There's nothing we can do to satisfy God's wrath, which is why the Holy One, the Eternal One, the Son of God, stepped down from His throne in heaven to become a little baby born to a peasant woman in that small, insignificant town of Bethlehem. Only He could pay for our sins. Only He could appease God's wrath. Only the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without without blemish or defect, would be able to satisfy God's anger over our sins. Isn't that amazing? God. It took God to satisfy God because He was so angry at us for our rebellion. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. The eternal one. The one who created the heavens and the earth. The one who knows how many hairs you have on your head. He became a little baby 
in that little town of Bethlehem. That's our second paradox. The third has to do with what he came to do. He will stand and shepherd with the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will dwell securely, for at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be their peace. I don't think most of us in here have ever raised sheep or goats. And so I think most of us have a kind of idealized picture of what a shepherd is or what a shepherd looks like. I think most of us think a shepherd looks a lot like that stained glass window over there. Very clean, very neat, cuddling, you know, gently cuddling a, a soft, perfectly white little lamb. That's not what shepherding is about at all. It wasn't then and it still isn't now. Shepherding is a dirty, dangerous, bloody, grimy job. Those of you who have raised goats or grew up on a farm, you know that. It was even more dangerous back in those days. Remember King David, when he was growing up, he had to fight off bears and lions to protect his flock. But more importantly is, that's not really what Jesus came to do. He didn't just come to pick us up and pat our heads and say, everything is fine. He said in his own words, I am the good shepherd and I have come to lay down my life for the sheep. The kids will tell us in just a few minutes that the main theme, the main news, the main announcement of Christmas is that there is now peace between God and mankind. Don't ever forget how much that peace costs, though. Don't ever forget as you're gathering with your family and friends this week, as you're singing your favorite Christmas carols, as you're, you're looking at all the, the nice nativities in people's homes and, and businesses, don't ever forget what it cost for you to have peace with God. Don't ever forget that the praises of the shepherds would quickly turn into cries of crucify Him. Don't ever forget that the same Mary who cradled Jesus' head and her arms would have to stand there and watch a crown of thorns viciously pressed into his skull. Don't ever forget that those little hands and feet that were wrapped up in swaddling claws would be nailed to a tree. Don't ever forget that Jesus left heaven to suffer hell in your place. Don't ever forget that the peace you have with God now and every day was anything but cheap and anything but free. It cost Jesus everything. But also don't ever forget that now you do have peace. Perfect peace. Peace that nothing in the world can disturb. You have peace with God. You are right with God. That wall of sin that's separated from you has been wiped away. The precious blood of Christ has done what we could never do. It has made us right with God. It has opened the door to heaven. That is what you have right now. And so it doesn't matter what is going on out in the world out there. It doesn't matter what's going on in your lives. It doesn't matter what's going on in your heart or with your health or with your emotions. This will be a Merry Christmas because in Jesus we have peace with God. These days before Christmas are always a little weird, aren't they? Contradictory thoughts and feelings in our, in our heads and in our minds. Uh, but the, it pales in comparison to the contradictions, the paradoxes, that our Lord used to bring us salvation. He, he, he chose a little insignificant town like Bethlehem. He chose a, a little baby to send his son. He, he chose the, the wickedness, the violence of evil men who nailed the perfect Son of God to a tree to bring about our salvation. And he still does work in paradoxical ways, doesn't he? 
He uses just an ordinary man with ordinary words, with ordinary bread and wine and ordinary water to bring you to Christ, to forgive your sins, and to give you eternal life. Today, he's going to use these ordinary children to proclaim the best news, the most important news that this world has ever heard. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This time, this paradoxical time, can be somewhat troubling. Don't be troubled by it. Cherish these paradoxes. Cherish these, these contradictions of Christmas. Because that's how God chose to save us. Merry Christmas. Amen.